Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor, Michael Norman. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Morning, guys. You guys sound good. Hey, I want to say this. It's a good day for us to worship the Lord today. In fact, it's always a good day at Grace Hill. Amen. So I never want us, I want us to thank God for being able to worship together and to never take that opportunity for granted. I mean, what an incredible opportunity that we have to worship together. And whenever we get to do that, I am very, very excited. Would you guys welcome again Keith and Trista Motley who are with us again this morning. These are some of our missionaries. Glad they are here. And, uh, and, and Chris said something, he goes, you're at, if you're a guest, you're at the perfect church. And I was like, ooh, ooh, it's a perfect church for you to be at. We're not perfect. I mean, it became unperfect whenever, like, I came to the church, right? And I started the church, you know, right? So we've never been perfect, but it's the perfect place for you and us to grow together in the Lord. You see that play on words, Chris? You like that? Okay, not really. I was the only one who liked it. <laughs> but I'm excited for us to get to worship the Lord together. So we are in week three of our series in which we're discussing the life and the story of David, who later became King David. And so in week one, we talked about what seemed like the boring and the mundane and the just really detail-less part of his life where he is in the shepherd's field when the truth is that was the formative years of his life. We think of it as boring as he's tending sheep and goats, but it was really the formative years in the shepherd's field and which was foundational for the rest of his life. And in the analogy we gave, the shepherd's field are the formative years for all of our lives. Because this is when we're developing a relationship with God. This is when we are truly forming and cultivating a walk with the Lord that goes beyond religion into a true love relationship with God. It represents our spiritual growth and this time of development to where it's no longer my parents' faith or no longer a religion with the big guy upstairs to where it is truly this connection with the Lord God. The formative years, the shepherd's filled. Last week, we talked about how uh, David was a warrior and what that means for us and we too, and what it means to fight. And guys, every single one of us are in a fight and every single one of us are fighting for our family and fighting for our spiritual growth and fighting for our church, but it's not a battle with flesh and blood, right? That it's a spiritual battle and every one of us, whether we want to be or not, or realize it or not, every single one of us are in a spiritual battle. And so we have to stand up, get off the sidelines. At Cowboy Stadium, there's the party pass, which are the cheap seats in which you can buy it and you stand up the whole time and you overlook the field, but you got to stand the whole time. Guys, you and I are in a spiritual battle and let's give up the party passes and get on the field and get in the action. Every single one of us are in a battle, whether we know it or not, and we've got to fight but we have to fight the right way. It's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. And today, we're going to talk about another aspect of David's life when David was a friend. Now, maybe some of you in this room, you're really outgoing, and maybe some of you are shy. Some of you in this room might actually like people, and some of you in this room might not like people. How many of you know people who don't like people? They would just rather like, they're like a cat. They want to come around when they want to come around. But other than that, like, leave me, leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry that you had to see that. (laughs) Maybe some of your families were gregarious and some of your families were more reclusive. And what we're going to talk about today is an area of my life that I'm learning more and more and more. 
truthfully in my life, the Lord has been so gracious to me and put great mentors in my life from the time that I was a young man. He put a Royal Ranger director that was the boys program at our church, a strong Royal Ranger director. And then he put great Sunday school teachers. I remember Sister Kelly, who was a great Sunday school teacher. And he's put great mentors and coaches and people in my life that have, that have helped me and shape around me. But in regards to friendship, it's something I'm still learning more and more. So when I youth pastored, I had a great relationship with our leaders and there was great chemistry. But over the years of moving away from that, some of those who were sponsors have become some of my closest friends. In fact, some of the ones that I came to Christ while I was youth pastoring, that now they are now personal friends and we talk regularly. There's a guy named Chris Perser who came to faith while I was a youth pastor. And now we talk every week. But this is something friendship. That I'm still learning to do. Lennon Nolan, you guys know Lennon. Lennon speaks here, great man of faith, that Lennon and I talk multiple times a week. And we'll talk sports and then we more often find ourselves talking life and ministry and God and theology and what's going on in our families and our ministries. You guys know Sam Farina, who spoke here a time or two, and, and he was a, a mentor and much older than I, and he and I have become friends, and we talk regularly. Eli Gotro, who I met in a ministry setting, and now we become friends, and we work through our biggest life deals together, and I'm learning more and more to open up my heart. There's a friend from our church in Houston where we pastored, and they're an older couple. In fact, he's considerably older than I am. He's probably 27, 28 years older than I. And now we've become really dear friends, and, and he shares his life. I share my life, and this is something that's really uh, I'm learning to do. And then there's a pastor in Northeast Texas by the name of Rusty who we've opened up our lives one to another, and we've become friends. And so this is something that I've learned more and more and more to open up my heart and to let people in to let people in then my men's small group that we have guys that range from 53 to 20 that i feel like that there are parts of our lives we've opened up to each other and we've shared that we wouldn't have shared normally one with another and what was originally a six-week small group has turned into a 16 17 month small group to where, man, there's other things I could do on Saturdays, but there's nothing more I want to do on Saturdays than get up and go to the small group because we've learned to open up and share our hearts. And we'll unapologetically pray in the middle of a restaurant every Saturday morning, and we'll study the Bible, and we'll read it, and we'll discuss what's going on, and something I'm learning. So I'm telling you all of that to say that what we're talking about today is not coming down this thus saith the Lord from the expert, boom, listen to me because I'm so good at it. I'm saying today that this is something I'm learning to do that I've not always been good at doing. That I grew up in a pastor's home. And in a pastor's home, you grew up, you grew up in a glass house where everybody knows your business Everybody knows when you do dumb stuff. How many of you ever did dumb stuff as a kid? Come on, raise them. How many of you have ever done dumb stuff as an adult? I mean, you do dumb stuff, and like three years later, you have sister so-and-so go, hey, do you remember when you did this? Yes, I remember when I did that. You remind me like every six months that I did that. And then you graduate college and they go, oh, you're so, such a cute little boy. I remember when you were four years old. Shut up. (laughs) And so growing up with everyone knowing your business, you tend to put up the pastor kid's smile and things are good and you act good because you don't want to embarrass your dad. And man, I had the utmost of respect for my dad, so I never wanted him to look bad. I never wanted to, to look bad for our family. And so you learn to put up the right face and the right boundaries and the right walls. And I'm learning now to let people in. Kerry Newhoff is a church consultant that is, is he says that Oftentimes that leaders, both of business and industry and of, and of churches, they feel lonely, especially in moments of stress and of big decisions. But I'm learning to open up the door and I have a group of six men who fast with me and they pray with me and they know my business. And man, I don't feel lonely. 
But this is new. And so today, as we're talking about this, it's something that we're learning together. Is that cool? That as I lay all this foundation, this is something we're going to walk through together. And I'm going to share what I'm finding as I'm learning to be a friend and I'm learning to to allow friends in close. So that's what we're doing today. It's you and me sharing together what I'm, sh- what I'm learning and what I'm endeavoring to do. And the truth is maybe today you're in this room and you're great at the topic or maybe you're in this room and you've never had a best friend or someone you truly openly trust. But hopefully today that when we're done, you'll be able to see the value of searching out and opening up to the idea of deep friendship, to brotherhood, to sisterhood, to having a soul sister, ladies, or having brothers as men, and that, that as we open up Scripture today, hopefully, hopefully we find the biblical value of friendship to where we see that it's not just a good idea, but a God idea, the concept of friendship. And as we open up Scripture, we're going to see in the Bible the importance of friendship in David's life. In fact, he has three distinct seasons happen in his life of friendship and relationships. And so David's story today, as we read it, as we study it, David's story today will show us the value, the add-on, the life-add value of friendship. So take notes, take notes, take notes. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. If you could go ahead and pull out your Bibles, turn, pull out your devices, and let's look at 1 Samuel 18, 1. Yes, it's going to be on the screen. Yes, it's in your program notes. But I want you to pull that out and be able to mark in your scriptures what's marked out for us. Verse 1, it says this. By the time David had finished reporting to Saul and all that had gone on, Jonathan was deeply impressed with David, and an immediate bond forged, forged between them. He became totally committed to David, and from that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and number one friend. Now, I love what the King James Version says here, and so if you're a Bible reader, which everyone in this room should be a Bible reader, the bare minimum of Bible study would be that you read multiple legitimate versions or translations. So it gives you a perspective of what it's saying in a different way. So we just read to you out of the message paraphrase, but I want to read to you out of the King James Version this one thing. And in verse 1 it says this, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and he loved him as his own soul. Oh man, what a powerful way to say it. That the message said it became his number one advocate and friend. And the King James says he loved him as if it was his own soul. Friendship. Friendship. And so do you have that person today? Do you have that? That that person who's your number one advocate and your number one friend. Do you have that? And David had three distinct seasons of deep friendships in his life. And the first one was with Jonathan, who we're going to read about today. We just read about is Jonathan is King Saul's son, the natural and rightful heir to the throne. And yet David, who is now called to be king, David and Jonathan become closest of friends. And then there's when David was fleeing from King Saul, where King Saul's trying to take his life, and David is running to hide, is that there becomes around him a a group of men who became his warriors and his confidants, and that these men who come around him and become his friends during the season, this band of brothers. And then last of all, there's when he becomes king, these warriors who fight with him as as well. But without Jonathan... He would have never reached his calling to be king. He would have been killed by Jonathan's father, by King Saul, and would have never become king. And so last week we talked about David defeating Goliath. We talked about the impossible odds of a seasoned warrior, trained warrior, battle-proven warrior, giant, versus this, this young boy straight out of the shepherd's field. Impossible odds. And then yet David said, this is a spiritual battle. You're coming against me with a sword, a big sword, and and, and a shield, 
a big shield and probably an armor bearer walking in front of him holding a shield. So come here, James, right quick. So he probably has, you have Goliath this tall, stay right there. You have Goliath up here and then you've got an armor bearer in front of him holding this shield. No, you're the shield. We're trying to... And he's walking like this, probably, possibly some, some uh, scholars say that he was walking in front of him. And so there's a very narrow window of, uh, of, to hit and win the battle. And he's saying, hey, you're coming against me with a sword, a big sword, with a shield, a really big shield. Thick, thick. Th- Fat. Fat <laughs> Let's give it up for James, guys. <laughs> You're coming with me, but I'm coming against you with with the Spirit of the Lord. And so he goes and he defeats the giant. And when that moment happened, that wasn't printed in the local newspapers. That wasn't printed in, in the Lakewood Advocate or the Lake Highlands Advocate. That was on CNN News. That was on Fox News. That was on the BBC. That was on Al Jazeera. That was national, international news happening all over the world. And as they come back into the city from battle, later on they come back after battles and this crowd is cheering for Saul and the, the ladies are singing this song and singing to Saul and he's doing the kingly wave at everybody. <laughs> and then they said, they, Saul has killed his thousands. And he's like, yes, yes. And he's just, his heart is full. And then the song continues on and the ladies are singing, but David, Saul's killed his thousands. Oh, that's, a, that's a hero. But the superhero, the one who's killed his tens of thousands is David. So can you imagine the heart of the king that they're choosing the shepherd boy from the shepherd's field over the king? They're choosing the harp player over the king of Israel. And after that moment, after that moment, Saul's heart grew bitter towards David. And for the rest of King Saul's life, he would pursue David in order to kill him. And only Jonathan stood between King Saul and David. Without Jonathan, without this friendship, without their hearts being knit together, without their souls being knit together and him loving, without this friendship, David would have never accomplished God's will for his life. Then as David fled, that he gathered around him some some friends. Now, this group of friends that gathered around David was a ragamuffin, rough set of men. I mean, these guys who were, some of them outlaws, some of them had debt, some of them were cynical, some of them were disgruntled. I mean, this was a rough group of men that gathered around David, but they became his band of brothers. They became the ones who encouraged him, who fought with him, who helped him fulfill his calling and his purpose for his life. Then David became king. And without his mighty men, I mean, you can read about it in scripture, David's mighty men. Without these mighty men, he would have never been able to be the king that God had called him to be. And he was supposed to be without these friends. And so that's what we're talking about today is friendships. And we're talking about David's life and how it relates to each of us. David even had moments where he longed for friends. David had moments where he he confessed his need for friendship. He just, he longed for it. And I hope today that we realize again that friendship is not only a good idea, but it's a God idea and it changed David's life and it propelled him to fulfilling the will of God for his life. So let me give you a few reasons today for friendship and hopefully by the end, you're like, this is something that I need to pursue. I need to open up my heart for. I need to make happen, allow happen in my own life. So if you're taking notes today, write this down. First thing that we need to understand reasons for friendship is this is our life was not meant to be lived alone. Now, I know in a room like this, 
Particularly, I mean, you guys, you've got it all together. I mean, you've got life by the reins, that you can handle it, that you are awesome, that you guys in this room, I know you've all got it together, but life was intended for us to be li- to live in community and not alone. In fact, let's go through the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Look, I want to stop right there. You guys need someone to help you succeed. Nobody does it alone. I mean, let's look throughout history and current culture. Nobody successful does it alone. No military leader, no president, no businessman, no, no pastor, no leader ever does it alone. They bring people with them on the journey, and the best ones are elevating those around them and reaching out to those who are even further along. They don't do it alone because two are better than one, and they help you succeed. Now, when I talk success, we in our culture tend to think, Cha-ching, cash money, right? We tend to think more stuff, more possessions, more things, that that helps me succeed is when I have that success. Not that how we succeed, that is success. I'm not talking about that. No, no, no. I'm not talking about business or finance or portfolio. I'm talking about succeeding in life and succeeding in our spiritual development that we need those in our life who will help us succeed in the things of God and the men and women that God created us to be. It goes on in, in verse uh, 10 and it says, if one falls, the other can reach out and help him. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. How can one be warm alone? 12 says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back can conquer can stand back to back and conquer. It says three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Here's the point of what he's saying is that you and I are designed by God for community. You capture that today? You and I are designed, we're created for each other. We're created for community. We're commu- created to do this life together and not alone because two are better than one Three are better than two. And having a band of brothers or having this sisterhood, having this can help you go in the right direction. Have you ever needed help going in the right direction? Sometimes we need just a little bit of a push. And if we have someone there, it helps us. So my wife used to hate driving with me because I would allow the gas gauge to go to E. How many men you do that? Like, I mean, her dad, her dad was the ultimate detail person. Her dad was so detailed. I mean, it would get to half the tank and he would get jittery. He'd get shaky like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, he would get jittery and he'd go like half a tank. Oh my goodness, we only have 200 miles left. I better get gas. And I'm thinking 200 miles, we got a mile and a half left. I'm not pulling over. I'm going to the next gas station. But sometimes we need a little extra help. So we're in the church van, and we're driving in the church van, and it's getting close. And she doesn't know this yet, but I'm nervous. I'm getting there because it's even close for me, and we're in this big V8 van. And all of a sudden, we're on the interstate going 70 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, the van goes, glug, 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 glug. I mean, it wasn't even like any warning. It just like, glug, 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 glug. And I was like, I put it in, in neutral, and Tamara looks at me, and you know my wife. She looks at me and goes, I'm going to keep a straight face. She goes, did we just run out of gas? <laughs> and I was like, no, Lord, forgive me for lying. No, we're good. I put it in neutral, and we were coasting, and we coast up the overpass, and I'm thinking, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. And I started praying in the spirit, man, Lord, help us. Oh, God, dear God. And also we get to the top of the overpass and we start going down the overpass. We exit off. We roll into the gas station and it, I didn't even push the brake. We stop at the gas pump. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And she goes, you are the luckiest man I know. And I just put hashtag blessed, baby. Hashtag blessed. But we, 
All of that, that didn't even fit, sports didn't fit. We needed the boost of going down the hill. And that's what happens in relationships. That sometimes we need an added boost in relationships. Go down and suddenly we're like, man, that wasn't so bad. You handled that. And people on the outside are saying, you handled that so great. And they're like, no, no, no. I had a band of brothers who helped me do this. I had a sisterhood who they helped me do this relationally. Sometimes we need that added boost. Life wasn't meant to be alone. And the truth is, if you're trying to reach your full potential in God, you're going to fall short if you do it the wrong all by yourself. And parents, what if, what if we were able to model this for our children? Not only doing life together, husband and wife, in a very healthy way, but what if we were able to model, hey, hey, dad, where are you going? I'm going to Bible study. Hey, mom, where are you going? We're going to connection group. We're going to do Bible study. We've got this group of friends, and we study the word together, and we grow together. What if our children saw that? Jonathan and David modeled friendship for us. Jesus and the disciples modeled friendship for us. In fact, Jesus even invited Peter, James, and John to one of the most significant moments where his transfiguration, where he is ascended into heaven. They got to be there, invited into that moment. Or what about Jesus with his disciples? To where in his darkest moment of his life, they're invited into the Garden of Gethsemane to be there in that moment. So friendship, Jesus modeled it for us. Even the Apostle Paul, he modeled friendship and relationship for us. You have Paul and Barnabas. You've got Paul and Silas. You've got Paul and Timothy. You've got these things. And Paul never did it alone, did ministry alone, and neither did Jesus. And so in life, why would you and I be leaning that way of doing it alone? Why do we do as as I did for a long time. And I put up walls and I only let them see the, the shiny outside. With our elder board, and there's times I've just said, hey, here's what's going on. Here's things I'm agitated with. But sometimes we have what we call foyer relationships where you go into someone's front door and in the foyer, everything is pretty, it's dusted, everything's hanging up just right. But then you go a little deeper, you go into the living room relationship where you see maybe the, the pillow, you know, it's not fluffed and you've got like the blanket that you've had out as you've been watching TV and covered up with the, you got that unfolded. But then there, then there are those kitchen friends that are allowed all the way in and they see the dirty dishes and they see the unswept kitchen floor and they see the spill that you didn't pick up. You meant to pick up, but you didn't pick up and the smelly dish rag. I mean, you've got those friends. Why do we want everyone to see the foyer of our heart and the foyer of our life when really there's so much more depth that we can have in the context of friendships? And then, and then, if we're talking in terms of spiritual potential and, and, and gain, getting our spiritual goal and moving forward, not a spiritual goal, but our growth, then if we're talking about that, then how much more do you want people in to where they prod you and urge you on and moving forward with Jesus? Because two are better than one, three are better than two, and life was not lived, meant to be lived alone. Second of all, reason, the case, the reason for friendship is this. Confession and healing. James 5.16 says this. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Many of us are broken inside because of our past. We've done things we shouldn't have done. We're carrying baggage we, couldn't, we shouldn't be carrying. We're thinking thoughts that we, uh, of regret that we shouldn't be carrying. We live in a culture where so much junk is available to us in anonymity. There's so much available that we've seen things we shouldn't have seen. We've gone places we shouldn't have gone. We've partaken in things we shouldn't have partaken in. And we need healing on the inside. And to try to do this alone will fall short almost every time. But when you have friends... 
when you have relationships, godly relationships, to when you have these things, you can confess your sins to one another and find healing. And I'm not talking about confessing to a priest and he forgives you or coming to the altar and confessing, Michael, I got some issues and me forgiving you because I can't forgive. Only Jesus can forgive. Only God in heaven can forgive. But I'm talking about this confessing one to another and in that you find healing that you're saying, hey, this is what's going on. And they're like, man, I get it. I'm gonna pray with you and that there's healing. And you do that one with another, this confessing one another. And something I really believe is the things you keep keep secret, keep you captive, and the things you confess, you find freedom from. And so I might confess something to Tamara. Tamara is the closest person in my life. To say that she's my best friend would be a gross understatement. But if sometimes I confess something to her, as a man confessing to her, she's like, what? You're such a dork. You struggle with that? Oh my goodness. She would never say that. I mean, but she might think it. She's way too tactful to say it. Or maybe like she confesses something, you confess, you know, the wife, something to the husband. They're like, that's what you struggle with? Come on. But if I have this brotherhood of guys, I go, hey, Dennis, this is what I'm dealing with. And you're like, bro, I get it. I totally get it. Or you confess something, ladies, to another lady, and, she, and you have this sisterhood where you're close, you're moving each other forward in the Lord, and they're, they're like, man, I, I understand, and I'm with you. I'm going to walk with you through this whole process. I'm going to step with you through this whole thing, because you know what? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and we're going to do this together, because two are better than one, and three are better than two. Amen? Right. Confession. Yeah. Healing. That is a very biblical thing. And if it wasn't important, then it would have never been put in here in the scripture. So realize that you're not alone. Real, this is, guys, this isn't preachy. This is like confession for me. I've had to realize I'm not alone. And I'm learning to let people in together. Galatians 6, 1 says this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such, a, uh, such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So in other words, he's saying this, don't get sucked in, help them, pull them out, but don't get sucked in, watch yourself. Number two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks to himself that... He, uh, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he so deceives himself. I really love what the New Living Version says here of verse 3. It says that if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Remember what we talked about last week? You're not special. We're not meaning like, we are special in the eyes of God. We are, but really, if it's saying you think you're too important to help someone... You're not that important. So what we're saying is, well, I travel a lot. I don't have time to, to build, develop that friendship. I, you know what? My job keeps me busy. What you're really saying is, you're too important. And if you're traveling a lot, man, you need it all the more to have a brotherhood saying, hey, how are you doing? When you're away from your setting, when you're away from all of your account, how are you doing in those settings? I don't have time for a men's group. I don't have time for a connection group. What you're really saying is, I'm too important for this friendship, for this brand of brothers, for this sisterhood. But I also want you to capture this. Capture this. We tend to think of how it's going to benefit me. In a consumeristic society, we're saying, okay, I'm not going to go to connection group because it doesn't benefit me. I'm not going to go to connection group because I don't really need it. I'm not going to get involved in this brotherhood, this sisterhood. I'm not going to get tied into this relation because it doesn't benefit me. But really, the Bible teaches us an upside-down kingdom, the opposite of a consumeristic society of how does it benefit me. And it's saying you are there to be a benefit to someone else as well. So if you're not involved in that, not, it's not you so much that's hurting, it's also someone else is missing out on your friendship, missing out on your accountability, missing out on your strength, missing out on your depth, that you help them succeed in the things of God. You're hurting others if you don't do this. And confession and, confession and healing in the context of this verse comes in the arena of community. So confess help, share burdens, don't neglect this. It is truly a value add for our lives. 
Proverbs says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. For the wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. How many of you have ever had a friend that was really honest with you and you were like, ooh. I mean, how many of you have ever had a friend that's been honest and it stung? So several years ago, we started uh, a service review that we do with the staff almost every week. And like it was all cards on the table. So it's not like every week, man, Pastor Michael, your sermon was so good. And everybody's like praising. It's like sometimes like that, that illustration didn't work at all. Man, you preached way too long this week. Or, you know, this, it was, this was, you know, so we're really honest. And so it's, that's a, a very low-level example of how sometimes, like, the words of friends are beneficial to our lives. That we allow them to be honest with us. That a wound from a friend, is a sincere friend, is helpful. And we can't do this alone. So it's important. Find a connection for group. Find a friend at Grace Hill. Find a believer to help you grow and that you help them grow. Is it hard? Is it hard to find that friend? How many of you think it's hard to find friends? It's not hard to find acquaintances. It's hard to find a friend. Is it hard? Yeah, absolutely. Is it helpful? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely helpful for our lives. Push through. Find the Jonathan in your life that will help you move forward. The third reason that I want to give you to, for friendship is this. is for encouragement. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. Walk with the wise and become wise. And for a companion of fools suffers harm. Look, that's not difficult. It says walk with the wise and you become wise. And walk with the fools or a companion of fools suffers harm. Another version says that a companion of fools gets in trouble. So it's pretty clear. You hang out with wise people, you get wise insight, wise habits, wise life. Or you hang out with fools and you get in trouble. How many of you got in trouble because you hung out with fools? Anybody in here? Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's not PC. You hung out with the wisdom challenged. <laughs> You, how many of you have ever hung out with Wisdom Challenge and you got in trouble? Raise them up. I want to just say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Parents, I want to tell you this to your children. Show me who they date, I'll show you their future. You date someone wise, it's going to be wise. You date a fool, you date the Wisdom Challenge. Sorry, you date the Wisdom Challenge and they're going to get in trouble. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Here are two ways that we date, that we pick our friends. Two ways that we pick our friends would be calculated or convenient. We can pick them on convenience, and convenience would be it's someone that I work with, it's a neighbor who's right there, they're always around, it's someone we maybe go on a business trip or working on a project together, and so after work, that, that, that you know, after work, they, uh, they're just convenient. They're just there. And so they're probably not prodding you on with the Lord. They're just someone who is, who is around. And so you're with them. And so you're on a business trip and they're like, Hey, let's go do this. Let's go here. And they're not prodding you in the Lord. Let me give you an example. And so this is like really transparent. In fact, last night in my prayer time, I felt like I was supposed to say this. And, and so just work with me guys and be patient with me because it's pretty transparent. So as an 18-year-old, right before my senior year, 17, right before my senior year, I, and then after that year, I worked construction, framing houses and, and putting the insulation on the houses, and then I did it again later in college to pay for my way through college. And so there was a guy there, his name was Hector, and Hector would go, hey, Michael, uh, my car won't make it into Dallas. I lived about 40 minutes away, and so after work, let's load up and let's go to the strip club, and he told me where it was at. As a young, Lord, a young guy, I wanted to serve the Lord. I'd given my heart to the Lord. At that point, I already felt a call to ministry. And I just, I laughed. I thought he was joking. It was a pretty transparent, forward ask after working there for a month. And he's like, no, no, no. Let's go. And I was like, and I laughed. He goes, no, I'm serious. Just go. I'll pay your entry. You're, you're 18. Or I can get you an ID that says you're 18. So let's load up and let's go to the strip club. And I said, bro, I, don't, I, I think you're joking, but I don't do that. And he said, oh, you just sit off the side and you don't have to. You can be my designated driver. It's no big deal. You don't have to participate. Come on, why don't you go with me and just drive me there. And, and I got some friends and we'll all go. It'll be fun. And I'll buy your dinner and, and all that. 
and he pressed me for the summer to go with him to a strip club. And I want to tell you that if I would have made Hector my friend, it would have been inconvenient and not calculated because he was not prodding me to serve the Lord. Work with him eight hours a day. Funny guy. No one could tell a joke like Hector. But it would have been a convenient friendship. You say, well, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus hung out. He did. He absolutely. And so much so that they called him a wine-bibbered and a drunkard. They called him that because he was hanging out with them. But those were not his band of brothers. Those were not those that he was sharing life with. Those were relationships, legitimate friendships he developed. But those were not the ones that, that he was giving his deepest time to in order to move forward with God. There's calculated friends. To where you're saying, it may be harder for me to get to, to get to that connection group. Or it might be harder for me to get to my Saturday morning small group in which Brendan and I pray together every Saturday morning. Daniel and I pray together every Saturday morning. Bob and I pray. Like, it's a little harder to get to that on Saturday mornings. Brendan works late, late, late on Friday nights. And I'm so grateful that he puts forth the effort to be there on Saturday morning. Your friendship to me has been powerful. This is a calculated friendship that is impacting my life. You're the pastor. You're supposed to have it all together. You're just supposed to be pouring out. No, no, no. You don't understand scripture. I'm a believer. I'm a man. I'm a man of God. And as I, I need this friendship. Daniel, the youngest one in the group, he stuck it out. He's, the, I mean, he's 19 when he started our group and our oldest was 53. And Daniel's the youngest one in the group and he stuck it out and he talks more trash than anybody. Like, if you ever met Daniel, like, you think, he's so sweet, man. That guy's so good. He's just such a nice guy. Baloney, he's a trash talker. And I would have never known that had I not spent life with him the last year and five months. And this is a calculated friendship. And you think, well, he's 19 and you're the pastor. You're doing all the, the imparting. No, no, no. 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 That's calculated. The convenient things are seldom the best things, including relationships. What we want is those prodding you to move forward. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to share this. This is something I wrote last night. I'm not trying to share this in order to scare you or guilt you into doing something. We're just not meant to live life alone. We're just not meant to, to do this by ourselves. We're meant for confession and for healing. We're meant for encouragement in this life. And those are why friends are so important to our life and our future. Calculated friends. That's why they are so important to our lives and our future. Hebrews 10, 23 says this. Listen to this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm in Christ. For God can be trusted. In, uh, there's a bigger promise there, but here I'm saying. Without wavering to the hope uh, we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Look, you can't do that alone. You can't look for ways to motivate and to help one another to love and good works. You can't do that alone and you can't do that with the wrong friends. It goes on and says, let us not neglect our meeting together. In other words, don't make excuses for why you can't be involved and, in fact, why you are not involved. You guys here, you serve, you love, you lead, you help, you give, you grow. You, I mean, you do a ton, and I'm so incredibly blessed. Keep that up and add to that these relationships that move you forward. It says that some are, don't neglect meeting together. Some are, people are doing but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we have this community that we give and we get and we give encouragement. We get encouragement and we don't make excuses to why we don't have friends, but we do make those friends and we encourage. Just saying, don't make excuses, but do it all the more. 
that we needed in this life as others need you. Calculated, friends, to encourage you in your walk with God. We're not meant to do life alone. Confession and healing and encouragement. But there will be a few things we need in our lives in order to make this happen. To be friends and allow friends in. So if you'd walk with me just as we close out three things that we're going to need. What friendship, three things that friendship will require from us. Number one, it's humility. And maybe it's getting on the phone and saying, hey, I need some help. Can you talk? Does that make sense? Several years ago, Dan Hansen on our elder board, he came to me and he said, Michael, I want to be a friend for you. It's a pretty bold ask. Usually the ask is, hey, will you be my friend? Dan said, in your position, who do you go to? Who listens to you? Who loves you? Who pours into you? I want to be your friend that can do that for you with nothing in return. And as someone who is incredibly guarded, who's learning to be a friend, I thought, what a nice gesture. But I don't really believe you. I'm giving like the very blunt side of my thoughts. But it wasn't about him. It was about me saying, I don't know how to let those walls down. And Dan would come by and just talk to me. And one day, I just began telling things. I opened up the doors a bit and told him more. And Dan's become a man that I trust with anything. He probably doesn't even know that impact because I've kind of closed that door a little bit. To where he never, he listened. And he prayed. And he had coffee with me sense like that's how we're designed to be and humility is one him coming and saying hey what can i do for you and humility is me saying here here here's the stuff it's just huge you're saying this is huge this is bigger than me i need a friend king davis knew that his purpose for his life could not be achieved by himself and so he opened up his life to jonathan to his mighty men to his band of brothers to his mighty warriors he opened it up and so he was humble enough to allow his friends around him number two honesty not only got to be have humility you're going to have to have honesty and honesty is saying hey you know what here's what's going on i need some input Personally, I'm a guarded person. I've told you this already. I put up my pastor smile. I'm learning. I'm growing. But saying I'm good. But we have to learn to be honest. And honesty takes one thing. It takes humility. And it leads us to honesty. And in the last three years, the last four years of my life that I have found more friendship, more brotherhood, more camaraderie than I could have ever imagined just by opening up the doors of my heart. I'm not trying to over-exaggerate this. I'm learning and growing in this. And in the last three years, I have found more brotherhood and camaraderie than I thought I could. Are you honest in your relationships? There's healing in that. Number three, it's going to take effort. It's going to take some effort. As wonderful a place as this is, as wonderful as who comes through here over the course of a month and calls us home, it's not the perfect church perfect for you to be here but we're not perfect it takes work it's very difficult in any church large or small to find connection much less the right connection it takes work and we just sometimes we just check in and out but we have to make that effort because it's worth it because we're not meant to do this alone we find confession and healing and we find encouragement when we put forth the effort to make room for these friendships and these relationships so here's your homework. Here's what we're going to close out with today. This week, began to pray and ask the Lord to help you open your heart for these relationships. It'd be easy for me to say, this would be the easy thing, but it's 
not how it happens. It'd be easy for me to say, Dennis, go find a friend today. Call someone in the church. Find that friend. By golly, it's easy. No, no, no. You probably need to say, Lord, help me open up my heart that I'm humble enough, honest enough, and I put forth enough effort in order to find a friend. Lord, open up my heart where I can trust and I can tell and I can listen. I can encourage and be encouraged. I can love and be loved. I can know and be known. Lord, help me, Lord, if I got it all together, that I am involved enough to be there for someone else who isn't, who doesn't have it all together. Your homework is to say, Lord, start helping me to be open enough to have friendships. Secondly, secondly, start finding those calculated friendships who will encourage you in the right way, who will push you, as the Bible said, to succeed, not financially, but in the things of God and in the character building of our lives. Be humble, honest, and put forth the effort. That's our homework is to say, Lord, open up my heart and then start making, finding those calculated friends. Would you stand with me? I want us to pray today. feel for a moment we need to close our eyes and just allow the Lord to speak to us just begin to say Lord speak to me Holy Spirit speak to those in this room maybe even God those who are listening online which actually outnumbers those who are in this room currently begin to speak to our hearts And allow us, Lord Jesus, to be open enough to let people in, to love and be loved, to know and be known with all the risk and all the joys of that. That we're open enough. And second of all, help us to begin putting forth the effort for those calculated relationships that move us forward in the things of God. Heavenly Father, right now I pray for every man and woman in this room that you would strengthen them, you would bless them, your hand would be upon them, and that there would be relationships that we begin to grow in, that transform our lives, relationships we begin to develop, that, Lord, are transformative in regards to us succeeding in the things that matter. So, Lord Jesus, that we would learn from King David's life that he needed friendships, Jesus needed friendships, we need those friendships, and that we do it in a very purposeful way so it prods us forward thank you lord for this day thank you because you had us here on this moment you had us here on this day to lord grow in you and to grow in friendships thank you lord for this word spoken to us today in the name of jesus amen thank you for listening to this week's podcast grace hill is always about knowing god and growing in god and we want to hear from you If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.